Here we go. We're going to get kooky. <laughs> Hip, hop, hope, hap, happy, hippie, witchy, dop, bitchy, witch, witchy, witch, we do it every day. Hey, hey. magic with a K. Treating naysayers to some sass. Teaching witch haters they can kiss our ass. We know as above, so below, so we go. To know, to dare, to will, to be. Shh. Magic's not a destination, it's our natural orientation. Magic's who we are, made of space, you're a star. Magic's what we do, me and you. Whoop-a-doo! Hippie Witch, season two. Man, that, that was a good one. <laughs> oh my lord, that is the funniest intro ever. Hello, thanks for joining me for episode 462 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe and I am the groovy creatrix behind Kick-Ass Switch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit. And you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode, back on Blog Talk Radio, where you will also find links to a real hippie. Woohoo! <laughs> We're putting the hippie and hippie witch today with Brigitte Mars. And there will also be a link to my shop because I'm having a big ass sale. I'm having a clearance sale. The Psycho Spiritual Wheel of the Year is going to be taken offline right after the autumn transition, Lamas, Lunasad, whatever you call it. I'm taking the whole program down. It's been running now for quite a few years, and a lot of you have done the program, and I'm marking down each of the individual modules 70% off, so that if you're missing a module and you want the whole set, you can grab it before it goes away. So any of the modules in my shop for the Psycho Spiritual Wheel of the Year, because that's not a mouthful. I, I like to name things that way. I don't know what's up with that. A long name. The Psycho Spiritual Wheel of the Year. <laughs> if you want 70% off of any of those modules, you just put the discount code in at checkout summer. 2020 and you should see it roll the price down to $15. Make sure you see that happen before you hit buy it now. It should happen in real time. If it doesn't, there's a mistake. There's a glitch somewhere or you didn't put the password in right. Something like that. It's summer, summer 2020. I also just wanted to give a shout out to the dream team which is currently full. The dream team is 13 people that I mastermind with once a month. And then each of those people, I end up doing one coaching call with a month. But I have a little waiting list going on for that. And I just wanted to remind you that if you want to be on the waiting list for that, to just email me at joannadevoe at gmail.com. And uh, this is me just kind of getting some getting some important business out of the way before we get into this interview. And so the next order of business would be thanking, thanking new patrons. So thank you to anybody who has ever supported the show over on 
Patreon. I should say the Dream Team is a tier on Patreon. That's what that's about, in case you don't know. But to anybody who has ever supported the show, thank you so much for helping the kid and I keep the lights on, keep food in the fridge, gas in the car, all that good stuff. I appreciate you all. But a special thank you has to go out today to Jenny Pollinger, Angie, Elena Marie, Veronica Anna Bud, Annalise McKenzie, and Lily Strichick. Strichich, something like that. Thank you, Lily. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. I hope you're having fun over on Discord. We have a really fun community going on over there. And that is it. That is everything that I wanted to say before I roll into an interview. Advice from a real hippie with Brigitte Mars. And as she says during this interview, the hippies were right all along. I've been thinking about hippies so much in 2020. I just have this idea that we're kind of going through this hippie 2.0 situation. A lot of the values that were being talked about in the 60s, we're talking about them now, a lot of the activism, a lot of the back to nature stuff. This is, it's not brand new in 2020. This is something that I've noticed happening for quite a few years, but I feel like it's all kind of just coming to a head in a way in 2020. I think 2020 is going to be a historical year that people will read about and look back on. And I, for one, want to make sure I'm on the right side of history with the different issues that are happening. I want to be a part of positive change. And last, last, the last episode here was with Lilith Dorsey. And we talked a bit about cultural appropriation. And I was thinking before I had Brigitte on the show, I was thinking, oh, you know, I feel like I've appropriated hippie culture, maybe, perhaps. I don't know. I feel not like a hippie. I feel like I aspire to be a hippie and that, I don't know, you tell me, what the hell is a hippie? <laughs> I know what a hippie in the 60s is, but what would a hippie from 2020 look like? Would that person be a vegan? Because I'm not. Would that person live off the land? Because I don't. Would that person go braless? Woohoo! Check one for Joanna. <laughs> Although I won't go to the store like that. <laughs> Would that person be a social activist? That's an interesting question to me because during this conversation, I filmed this or I recorded this a long time ago, like a month ago, a while ago, when the Black Lives Matter movement really broke and became something that we all were talking about. I was talking about it incessantly. I was thinking about it incessantly. I've learned so much since, and this was recorded right around when it was still new and fresh in my mind, and I was asking everybody, everybody about the Black Lives Matter movement, and I asked her about black hippies. I was like, are there black hippies? Because I really am not sure, like, I feel like what I think of when I think of the 60s, I think of Black Panthers and I think of the hippies as two separate movements that 
I think had some values in common perhaps, but I don't think of them as being the same thing. And I tend to associate black people from the 60s who were active, who were social activists. I think of them more as Black Panthers, which was an identity that they claimed for themselves. So there must have been black hippies as well. And so I asked her about that and was thinking like, we need to have some black hippies on the show now because I want their perspective. And for me, when I think hippie, when I think of the hippies, like the original hippies, I think Woodstock. And when I think Woodstock, I think Jimi Hendrix. (laughs) So in recording this interview, I was like, was Jimi Hendrix a black hippie? Or was he simply at that particular moment in time, just another musician doing his thing at these hippie populated music festivals. <laughs> I mean, Jimi Hendrix was never just a musician. He was a god on guitar, and I think he's become a hippie icon, but was he himself a hippie? Google says. <laughs> that's that's the new survey says. <laughs> I go running to Google for everything. And so I Googled, was Jimi Hendrix a hippie? And it's complicated, I have found. When I tried to research that, it's complicated. He really wasn't part of the social justice movement of the time. He wasn't a part of the anti-war movement. In fact, he made some statements that made it sound like he was in support of the Vietnam War. So although he was totally down with the drugs and free love, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, all that fun stuff. I don't know. Can you consider him a hippie? Can you consider someone a hippie who is not a part of the social justice movement? I'm leaving this up to you all. You all tell me. You tell me. (laughs) Uh, It's really fun to have one of the original 1960-something hippies on the show today. She's going to share some awesome stories with us. This actually started because she sent me a sticker. It was a round rainbow sticker that said witches for Jesus in in the middle. And that kind of spoke to me because I am a witch who has a fondness for Jesus. So we talked a little bit about that. And funny enough, that came back to hippies too because, you know, I'm always researching my family. I like to know why we are the way we are. And I discovered that the church I grew up in was largely inspired by a movement that really changed Southern California Christianity and then spread to the rest of the country and perhaps the world. And it was a hippie movement called the Jesus People. Maybe it wasn't a movement. They were just called the Jesus People. They used to call themselves Jesus Freaks. Until other people used that as an insult and a slur. And then they became the Jesus people. (laughs) So we talked about that today. And it's just a really fun, interesting interview that I recorded a long time ago when my audio was shit. So I should tell you that as well. The audio is not good. I'm sorry, folks. It took hours to edit this thing because I really wanted to edit out as much of the noise as I could. I feel it's still quite enjoyable and listenable. You'll have to let me know. And without any further ado, here is the lovely hippie Brigitte Mars. 
Hi, Brigitte. Welcome back to Hippie Witch. Hippie Witch, it is a pleasure and an honor. This is the third time I've interviewed you. I interviewed you a very long time ago for a YouTube interview show I used to do called Every Which Way. And then I had you on this podcast way back in the day <laughs> uh, when I was still just, I think I still called into my show on my phone. So here we are. Here we are during quarantine on a, on a quarantine planet. It's fast. I was going to say it's fascinating, but you are fascinating. So I think you're a great person to talk to right now. And I think we were overdue for a chat because I really want everybody to know who you are. Thank you. Thank you. Blessed be. Yeah. As a matter of fact, yesterday we just had a bee in to raise awareness about the bees and also to honor the first bee in that happened in San Francisco like some 50 years ago <laughs> to actually protest uh, the making of LSD illegal. But we had a bee in yesterday, but it was also to honor and help protect the bees. So we are ready to be here now. Oh my gosh, you're such a great role model for me as somebody who calls myself hippie witch. I often feel like, why did I do that? <laughs> like, I'm, not, I'm not a real hippie, am I? I don't know. I feel like I'm gravitating slowly every year, a little more that way. And what I see going on right now in the world feels like perhaps those of us who have long romanticized the 60s and the hippies, it's our turn to have an experience. It's going to be a different experience, but to have a kind of hippie 2.0 experience in terms of psychedelic exploration, political unrest, activism. Well, I so agree with you, Joanna. And it seems that, you know, as hippies will often say, the hippies were right all along because 50 years ago, we were doing organic gardening and communal living and natural childbirth and acupuncture and herbal medicine and um, social protests and psychedelic therapy and yoga and meditation and solar energy and all of those things, teepees and yurts and ecological homes. And now we're finding out that the hippies indeed were right all along. And so perhaps some of the things that we can learn from that era is how we can live more kindly upon the earth. You know, one thing I don't know if you know about me, Joanna, but I, I've never learned to drive a car. I'm 67. I've raised two kids, written 14 books, and I've, I've lived this long without ever driving a car. And it's really quite possible to live more locally and take the bus and, you know, occasionally get on an airplane. But um, we really hope to come out of this pandemic um, using transportation a lot more wisely, if that means more publicly and walking and busing and carpooling and biking and all that. That's such an interesting thing to point out right now to someone like me who lives in Los Angeles, because when the quarantine first happened, we, we actually happened to have a lot of rain at that time. And our skies were bluer than any of us had ever seen them before wow. because there were no cars or very few cars on the street. And we actually got to see the impact of that. And it was incredible. And then, of course, people got impatient with the quarantine and slowly but surely went back to traffic as usual. But for a minute, we got a glimpse of what it could be like. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'm hoping that we learn some of these things, like learning more about who your neighbors are. I like to think in terms of energizing every chakra so that, you know, if we're tested on this planet, like what are some evolutions that we can take from it? And so one is how, if I think of like red at the base chakra and survival, it's about how we move our bodies around. And so red would also be about what do you need to be safe? Do you need to have a first aid kit? Do you need to learn martial arts? Do you need to lock your door more? Do you need to drive less? Do you need to compost and give back to the earth? You know, how can you live more eco? And then, you know, orange could be about and community and the feng shui of your house and honoring your commitments and your relationships with others. Okay. I'm loving that. I've been thinking a lot about the root chakra right now because I keep thinking of that Angela Davis quote where she says something about how radical simply means grasping at the root. Ah. And I'm thinking so much of what's happening right now is we are grasping at the root. And so much of what you do, the way you live your life, seems very radical, I think, to a lot of people. It seems radical to me. I don't live that way. And I think I have a little bit of hippie guilt. I feel like like I could do better. So I just try to inch my way along and do a little bit better all the time. And Well, Joanna, I'm sure you've heard hippie days are here again. And I'm glad to know you're in LA because my daughter, Rainbow Harmony Mars, who was born in a teepee under a double rainbow, lives in LA. And I sometimes go to visit her and hope to do so again. So, Oh, we'll have to have tea. Yes, indeed. Indeed. I love that. And your daughter is, you're a raw foodist, I think, still, and she is. We all really honor raw foods, but none of us are 100%. I mean, even our raw food teachers and leaders, but we, I do make, I did make several raw things today, and we also made uh, potatoes in the solar oven on uh, the porch. I have four apprentices that have been here with me today that are helping. And we made solar potatoes and wild salad and wild baklava, all from weeds in the garden that were growing right outside our door. That is so cool. It may have been canceled because of the quarantine, but it seems that you have a wilderness survival event coming up. I have, you know what, we've changed it a little bit and it's going to be on Zoom, but it's called, we're calling it Jedi Survival Skills on a Perilous Planet. Oh, can we get a link to that so I can include that with the show? Yes, I will send you a link to that. I'll make a note to send you a link to Jedi Survival Skills. So it's going to be on Zoom. And, you know, again, I like to think in the terms of the chakras and, you know, I could just tell you that. You know, we need to learn more from this epidemic and to take better care of our health all the time. You know, that could be like the green chakra and grow gardens and eat more wild. And green could also be about doing volunteer work, bartering and trading, new forms of economy. Hmm. I had a friend, maybe my first interview, one of my first interviews, my friend Bethany said something to me that has forever stuck to me about how the green, the heart chakra is connected to our hands. And when I think about the kind of work that you do, like foraging and gathering wild food, and then also making connections, I think about hands and doing that from a heart centered place, I think is a really cool idea, but also an intention to come at your life with. Yes. 
Oh, I love that. Well, I do think in terms of, you know, all the colors of the rainbow and green indicates the presence of chlorophyll and chlorophyll is the essence of plants. It's plant blood. You know, just eating the weeds when you imbibe things that were growing just a few minutes before you're imbibing them, it gives you amazing super chi that can save money. And also you're providing pollinators for the bees very often, eating green things and flowers. We had sage flowers in our lunch, arugula flowers, malva flowers. But the Jedi survival skills are, you know, we need to think about being prepared in every way. And so if you want me to tell you what, like, the seven basic levels survival skills, if I think in terms of red, like being safe, being protective, having boundaries, and then orange would be knowing who your allies are and, you know, having your material comfort zone organized. And yellow is about... Um, what you choose to put in your body that's going to keep you healthy. You know, yellow could also be like how to preserve food and good digestive health. And then green would be about eating local and then living green. And then blue would be about creating art because I feel that in our living and art, that's an expression of our life. And then indigo would be about how to be smart and how it's Jedi to speak other languages and always be about enhancing our intelligence. That could also be about things like meditation and psychedelics, all the things that can activate our chakras, yoga. And then the crown would be about, we all know we're going to die. So we all need to be prepared to live a life as meaningful as possible and not have any regrets. You know, so it's just a little bit about that. Also, what three essential oils to have with you and what to do for shock and tornado and avalanche and bad uh, trip and um, pandemonium and how to keep your immune system healthy and how to avoid getting taken advantage of. All of this is going to be covered in this Zoom? Yeah, this PowerPoint. I'm working on it with like oh 20 gifts and everything. Wow. Using PowerPoints is my new art form because I get to teach my classes with like a little bit of art and pictures and sometimes oh. music from Bethy Lovelight. You know what's funny is I just want to let you go. Like you get to have the Hippie Witch platform today because you like start to answer a question and then we get a whole sermon and I love it. And you mentioned art and what brought us together again for this interview was the sticker that you sent me that says witches for Jesus. And it's very hippie. It's I wanted to ask you actually if I can put that on my car because I don't know if it's weatherproof, but it would make an awesome bumper sticker. Well, you know, I can get more and I need to order more. And I think it would probably work for a while. It is designed to be a little bumper sticker. You sent me that sticker right when I was getting into, I'm always researching my family. I like to figure out like, why are we the way we are? And I got really excited when I figured out that our church that I grew up in was really a product of the Jesus people who ah. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they were hippies and Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They really started like the Calvary uh-huh. Chapel churches here in Southern California, but it started with a hippie. And it was a very like hippie organization, really interesting. So I've been on this Jesus people kick, like researching this. And then you sent me this sticker that said, which is for Jesus. And I was like, funny timing there, Brigitte Mars. Isn't that funny? 
And you know what? I'm going to send you a link to um, this awesome show. You know, I, I would have to say that one of my favorite musicals is uh, Jesus Christ Superstar and Hair. And we just saw a uh, London stage version of Jesus Christ Superstar and to see like a cast of a hundred dancing on stairs with art and music. Well, how, how fortuitous that it would happen at that time. We must be psychically connected. I, I love synchronicities like that. I always take it as a sign. Whether it is or not, that's the meaning that I assign it. So I say it is. <laughs> okay. All right. Also, I'm very curious, you know, a lot of hippies pivoted into becoming yuppies. Why didn't you? And why have you been like so consistently who you are throughout the decades? I, I'd say that it's all really part of the story. You know, I have these two daughters, Sunflower Sparkle Mars, and her godmother was Timothy Leary's wife, Rosemary Leary. And so I have all that part of the story and then, you know, living in the teepee on a commune. But I'd say that the biggest connection is that I feel connected to the earth and the wise woman tradition of healing with plants. It, you know, a, a real hippie and like loving the earth and composting and growing a garden and eating wild edible plants and being organic and all of that. It's the best that I could do and it's the best that I could do for my kids and I'm trying to also think of the values of it truth beauty goodness but the thing about you know which is for Jesus I want to share with you if you know if you're a spiritual seeker that I have long been a reader of a book called the Urantia book mm. which is spelled U-R-A-N-T-I-A and it comes from well, it's the name of our planet, according to what they call us on other worlds. And back in the early 70s, I had a vegetarian restaurant in Miami called the Supernatural Restaurant and Juice Bar. And we would get these teas in, like a Celestial Seasonings Red Zinger tea, and they would have these little tags on them that would say things like, how many inhabited planets are there? Or a, God, a baby is God's opinion that the world should go on. And I thought, oh, I bet these people read the Urantia book. So that was one of my reasons to come to Boulder, where um, it was really that there were herb teas and a great music scene and that you could eat healthy food and that I could live here without driving a car and raise you know, kids with names like Sunflower and Rainbow Harmony Mars. Um, because we were a little weird in, in some like in Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to have Rainbow on because I met her a very long time ago in a club once. So I know that she was here in Los Angeles and participating in our wacky world that we have here. It'd be fun to talk to her about what was it like to be raised by you? And did she have a culture shock experience when she dipped into the experience of Los Angeles? Because I mean, it sounds like you are, you've been pretty hip to what goes on in cities and things like that. But it'd be interesting to hear a kid's perspective, like what that was like when she first opened herself up to that. Yeah, Rainbow's story is really interesting because she got, got a part in an Oliver Stone movie when she was 18 and uh, ended up working with Woody Harrelson, who was really into, you know, raw foods and herbs and veganism and activism. Mm -hmm. And so that was definitely a, a great thing. You know, I feel it's really been a blessing 
both of them and sunflower sparkle has i have three grandchildren so i'm grateful how much of the hippiness has made it down to the grandkids well uh rainbow's daughter jade who's 16 is into everything hippie and she's an artist she's and she's like reading the miss of avalon and child of fortune which is a great novel, by the way. It's the ultimate hippie novel, but it's intergalactic. Child of Fortune. I, I just read it for the author as an audio book. Oh, cool. um, it's kind of about intergalactic hippies that are buskers on other planets. I bet you would love it. <laughs> have you ever, I don't think you have, as far as I know, will you ever write a memoir? Oh, you know what? That's so kind that you're asking. I am writing one, and it's called Wildflower Child, A Tale of Sex, Psychedelics, and Natural Foods. Oh, my God. I'm your first reader. I will buy that oh, book in a you. heartbeat. Maybe I'll get a quote from you for the back and a link to your website. That would be so super. Yes. I have three of your books staring at me right now because they live on the top of my refrigerator and I just decided to drag them out so I could mention them. But I think I have a couple more of yours too. But these are the three on my fridge. I have the Country Almanac of Home Remedies. I have the Home Reference to Holistic Health and Healing. And I have the Natural First Aid Handbook. Okay, well, I should send you, um, ooh, the Sexual Herbal. I definitely do not have that one. Okay, I'm going to send you that one, and then maybe we can do another show on that because it has stuff like not only herbal aphrodisiacs, but you know, healing the spirit from a broken heart and the fine art of flirting and finding a mate and creating a pleasure palace. Oh. So, so I, you know, I guess I like to be an example that you know, taking psychedelics doesn't make you lethargic or stoned or stupid. You know, if you really work on yourself by eating healthfully and doing yoga and doing healthy things and being prayerful and putting your consciousness in a good place and enhancing your intelligence and all of that, that it can help you to be smart and conscious. Of course, I'm not encouraging people to be indiscriminate. I believe in using things in a prayerful way and with ritual and appreciation. Yes, I know for sure that that's a hot topic right now. So we should just dive into that a little bit. When was the first time you ever had an experience like that? Do you remember? Oh, of taking a psychedelic? Oh, will you close that door? You know, lawnmowers are like the worst sound. Oh, I I agree. I am so... And then you'll close that window too. I agree. Oh my gosh. They drive me bananas. My Um, listeners know how much that drives me nuts. We have neighbors on either side that are very enthusiastic about both their power tools and their lawn equipment. (laughs) We're, We're actually filming a video called Lawn Gone. And my friend Justin, who's filming it, likes to say, if you're mowing it, you're blowing it. The Aww. time to stop mowing is now because it uses gasoline. The noise is uh, obscene. It scares the fairies, the birds, the butterflies. There's nothing left for the pollinators. And mowing lawns uses 30% of our nation's water. So we really need to uh, let that one go, Joanna. So let, <laughs> let, you know, let the wild things grow and learn to eat them. But I did not forget your question that you said when was the first time I had a psychedelic experience and I actually um, have a a story about it I was in London and I was 15 years old and I was supposed to be on this tour with a group of girls and I met this hippie boy and he said come back tomorrow and he acted as a guide for me and he was totally respectful and 
I was... I think it is really important to do it with some in a safe place with someone you know and trust. But I will also say another turning point in my life, the first time I was in a health food store, I was going to an all-girls school in uh, Massachusetts called Miss Hall School for Young Ladies. But on a Saturday, I happened to be on LSD that one of the boys I met at a peace demonstration gave me, and he took me to a health food store, and it changed my life. I said, oh, this food has energy. I'm going to start eating sprouts. And I just totally like vibed on it. And they had names of things like tiger's milk bar, which of course were not made from tiger's milk, but papaya, dried papaya. I was like, wow, I want to eat this way. It just feels like so right. So that was profound. Oh, please, please, please let this memoir come out very soon. I cannot wait to hear more about what you just said. It was interesting because it came right off you saying that psychedelics don't dumb you down. They don't make you slow or dopey. And, you know, and then you're sharing all this information with us. But then you actually, (laughs) how you're 67 and your first experience was when you were 15. So you're decades into this experience. This is why I really wanted to talk to you because of this whole idea some of us are having about like, oh my gosh, we're having this hippie 2.0 moment. And you're a woman who walks your talk and has been doing so for decades. Well, well, I have a really um, exciting thing you might want to hear. is So when I was 18 years old, I lived with someone who helped to make secret compartments for this group that was loosely associated with Timothy Leary and the Brotherhood of Eternal Love. And they were sometimes referred to as the hippie mafia. And he built secret compartments for different vehicles that were used between Afghanistan and different countries. Oh and, um, and so uh, there's a little story that Tim Leary escaped. He was in prison and he escaped from prison when he was, he was running for governor of California uh, against Richard Nixon at one time. Did you know this? No. Yes, and so he was thrown into prison for a very long time, even though it was one of his kids that just had a little roach. But um, Rosemary, his wife, and the, the Students for a Democratic Society helped stage an escape, which was very embarrassing to the American government because supposedly, according to Nixon, the most dangerous man in America, Timothy Leary, escaped from prison. Oh, my goodness. And so Tim and Rosemary were on the lamb, and that they ended up be, remaining on the lamb. But what, when she was on the lamb, she came and lived with me. And I was 18 years old, 19 years old. And she taught me about having sacred ceremony. And so our little household of people, we wouldn't just take psychedelics. We would really prepare by cleaning the house and thinking about our intentions and having some healthy food for afterwards and maybe laying out an altar that had oracles. You know, although oracles could be something like the weight tarot deck, but I will have to say I love and still use very often the inner child cards that come out of Finhorn. They are amazing. They uh, really seem to have angelic guidance in them. So, so, so you lay at an altar, maybe having art supplies. You know, whatever it was that you were going to have, the music picked out. And then um, you would all, like, maybe sit in a circle and ohm. And 
maybe everyone share their intention and then take the medicine and, you know, really keep the space safe for everybody. But sometimes get a lot of creativity came out of that time. Oh, I bet. Books and art. And so I'm writing a little bit about that. But I've, I felt at a very early age that this medicine is something that should be used with reverence and respect, with safe set and setting. And that I think that, you know, message I would really like to say is we don't want to go from just say no, which, of course, I never said, but more to just say how, you know, like just say how, like with intention, with prayer and what to know if someone has too much. You know, my first aid book, the little first aid book, if you have that, Joanna, um, there's a chapter in there, like what to do for a bad trip. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I'll take that to the next party that I attend where people are doing that. I'll be like, I have the first aid book in case anybody needs it. You know what I love about your story is it really rounds out a picture that other voices have contributed to building over the years about Timothy Leary, for example. Like I saw a really beautifully done documentary on his relationship with Ram Dass. Yes, I saw that. So I knew, I knew that he was arrested and things like that, but you give it another flavor. You give it another layer that I think would continue to develop the story. We need multiple voices to tell a story to get the full picture, I think. Well, thank you. And I feel that Rosemary really kept alive the feminine voice. And there is a memoir coming out about her, Inner Traditions, who's also someone I published with, a book called Psychedelic Refugee, because she has a side of the story. And I think she brought a lot of the set and ceremony tradition to that and her knowledge of spirituality and ceremony. You know, it's all good and we all bring different things to the table. But I actually am a recent graduate of something called the Psychedelic Sitter School, which happened here in Colorado and run by a graduate of Naropa, uh, Daniel McQueen. And it was really an amazing event. And there were people from all over the world, very often therapists and hospice workers and all kinds of people, EMT people, and uh, so I, I just want you to know that there are programs like that where people are using it sometimes legally and sometimes underground and finding that it can be much more therapeutic for less money without drugs that can help people overcome things like post-traumatic stress and alcoholism and addiction and grief and anxiety and depression and blame and, you know, all of those things. And so, again, you know, the hippies were right all along. Oh, my gosh. It's so true. It's so true. A book I was recently talking about on Patreon was How the Hippies Saved Physics. It's a really fun read. Oh, yes. But what I wanted to ask, too, is your perspective on what's going on with Black Lives Matter. Do you feel like that's something that you're seeing in your community because it sounds like your community's living out in nature and you know like hipping it up and I'm wondering like has it made it out there do you see very many black hippies what about with the psychedelic experience I'm just wondering like who are the black hippies right now that we should know if you watch the movie Hair, there's this awesome dude in there who played um Dr. Chill and Janae Iko. 
Oko. Yeah, check out check out Dr. Chill and his daughter Janae Iko. Okay. They're in LA. So yes, there are black hippies and it depends. I think that in a sense a lot of the hippies were dropouts from sort of a more affluent culture, whereas the black people were trying to get ahead. And so they took their freedom in a different way. And you know, ultimately, you know, my wish is that all the races, you know, mix together and be conscious, loving parents and be conscientious in um, how they live their lives. You know, I have a daughter named Rainbow. I'm in favor of all colors of the rainbow, living in harmony, peace on earth and peace throughout the universe. Um, There was a very big protest in Boulder, but I don't want to say protest. I think it was people showing support and solidarity. So there was a big march. Thousands of people marched right down the street, and it was very peaceful. And, you know, it's time to just, you know, wake up and realize that the history of our planet has been quite traumatic. If it wasn't the slave traders, it was the Vikings or the Nazis or someone coming after you or the cavalry or, you know, very often, you know, I have to say that when I think about the history of violence on our planet, I really do think that women need to, you know, women, we give birth to children and we love so much. We really value life and seeds and the caring and nurturing of our planet. And, you know, it's really time to give more equality into the nurturing of our planet and allowing respect. So that's my hope. And I'm willing to do my part in any way that I can. Me too. One of the things I'm going to do is bring more Black voices onto the show here. So I'm thinking I'm going to find a hippie. (laughs) I'm really curious. You know, I think maybe I'm wrong. You can probably correct me on this. Weren't the Black Panthers and the hippies kind of coming up parallel to each other and very, very different experiences and movements? But isn't the timeline similar? Yes, the timeline is similar, and you have to remember, too, that the women's movement, so it it all kind of came out of the hippie movement, and, you know, I really think it was a great thing when, a, a great peacemaking thing is when people of different races would sit and smoke and pray together, like I felt that that was a real, you know, you could be of a different race or a different community or different heritage or different religion, and you sit in a circle and pray together and pass the peace pipe that that was a real peacemaking thing. And I've had that experience many times in my life because I think that's one way that we've shared. And there are certainly black hippies. Everyone's welcome. The rainbow people are all the colors of the rainbow. And that's what's so beautiful about it. I also want to circle back because I could feel your passion. You got really fired up when you were talking about yards. So I didn't want to leave that hanging in case other people were like following you with your passion about that. And I will for sure bring more black voices on here to talk about their own experience. So we don't need to be two white ladies like talking about what their experience is like. I'm trying not to do that. I'm trying to be like, let's hear it straight from the source. But absolutely. But I'm really interested in this idea you proposed to me, get off your grass and create an edible lawn. Can we talk about that a little bit? So we are using currently a third of our nation's water on to water grass. And the grass doesn't grow very tall before it gets mowed again. So people use gas to mow grass. And it's very noisy, as we know. And it doesn't produce food. 
And so that same amount of water or much less water could be used to grow food plants that people might perceive as weeds that they really are foods, the the ancestors of the vegetables that we eat all the time. It's a real simple thing. And if everybody started doing that, we could drive less. We could save thousands of dollars. We could have pollinating plants grow for the butterflies and bees and hummingbirds. We could add flowers to our food. We could really be a wildflower habitat everywhere in an urban environment. You know, and I just thought of, an. you know, you asked me who are the black hippies, and I also wanted to mention uh, DJ Kavum and Erasia Alchemia. I'm going to send you their link. They're local, and they're good friends of Rainbows and Mine and are crusading for gardens and vacant lots. Perfect. And, uh, you know, I love that, and uh, natural foods and veganism and all that. I have a couple of really specific questions. I'm wondering, I'll just say them back to back, and you can kind of launch into whatever you whatever thoughts okay. <laughs> this inspires one i'm wondering if everybody stops mowing their lawn will we all get edible weeds and two how soon can people eat those weeds if they've been poisoning their yard for their whole lives with pesticides well that's a really good question so you would not want to eat things from things that have been pesticided within two years ideally and it's best not to eat things within 50 feet of a busy road so backyards tend to be better than front yards and so here's one thing that could encourage an edible lawn is if we all, there's a proverb I heard years ago. It says, if you have water to throw away, throw it on a plant. Mm. So let's say you have a little patch of dandelion or malva or violet. Rather than just pouring it down the sink, if everyone had a basin in their sink and they just took the water that they might use to rinse a dish or rinse an apple from the store, they could collect that water and open the door and give it to plants on the balcony or give it to plants on the porch or a raspberry bush or a mint plant. So we need to think about how we respect water. Grass is very water intensive. So if you stop watering grass, you know, it depends. You could scatter hemp seed everywhere. That would be a great way to reclaim marginal soil, to be honest. You know, hemp will actually choke out poison ivy, Canadian thistle, and spotted knapweed, things that people do spray pesticides to eradicate. I mean, doesn't that make sense? I mean, really, I do believe that cannabis is the tree of life and that it was brought here and could solve so many problems on our planet. The Bible in the Old Testament, they talk about the holy anointing oil, the holy anointing oil in the book of yes. the book of Exodus. So the holy anointing oil, which is used in the temples, is made with olive oil, cinnamon, myrrh, and cannabosum. Oh. And in the third century BC, in a Greek translation called the Septuagint, remember this is just the Old Testament, they changed the word cannabosum to calamus. Acorus calamus is a somewhat toxic plant. It's not widely used as a healing plant, nor is it a fragrant aromatic. The cannabosum should have been cannabis. All right, so also in the Bible, the Urantia book and the Bible say that the apostles used the holy anointing oil for anointing the sick. 
Anyway, that's why I say witches for Jesus, because a lot of the herbalists were executed. Uh, a lot of the witches were executed for being herbalists and midwives. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, I'm like somehow my lineage is skate. And, you know, but what a you know connection there goes way, way back there. So the holy anointing oil that the apostles, both male and female, would have used for anointing the sick was most likely olive oil, cinnamon, myrrh, and cannabis, which we know is effective for healing pain. So Google that, and you're going to see there's a lot of religious scholars, rabbis and priests and herbalists who are saying, it ain't calamus, friends. The Bible was not botanically correct. They, it was a mistranslation. This is why I think witches for Jesus is interesting, because a lot of people, myself included, kind of see Jesus as a magic man, and that a dogmatic religion was built on his legend. And I think a lot of that was built on fear. A lot of that was built on politics. And so I really just threw baby Jesus out with the bathwater when I went spiritually seeking as a teenager. And it wasn't until my 30s that I started circling back around. I mean, like, wait a minute, (laughs) I have a relationship with this spirit, this energy that I've had since... I was a tiny, tiny little child. Like, why would I lose that connection? And, you know, and I could be a witch and I can have that connection. Yes. And for some reason, I just knew to send you that sticker at that time. That's amazing because you know what? I hadn't given any of those stickers to anybody in a really long time. And I saw on your website when you sent your newsletter out something about Jesus. I said, yes, I'm sending her one. I love the whole concept. You know, hippie, fairy, witch, Gypsy Joker, (laughs) all of it, (laughs) psychedelic, peaceful warrior, you know, we're going to send you some music too. I'm making you a list of things to send to you. I I hope people are picking up on your energy. It's boundless. You are just filled with interesting facts and lots and lots and lots of energy, which I love. I personally appreciate someone who is a couple decades older than me. I'm 47, so we're exactly 20 years apart, who looks so beautiful and has such a great attitude and is so on fire about life because we don't get a lot of... It's changing. But we don't get a lot of role models like that in the media. And it's just so counter to the messaging that I grew up on. It's a relief to be like, look at this woman. She's so rock and roll. And it gives me the promise that I can be that too. Yay. (laughs) Hippie witches for Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) You said something about your lineage. Now I'm like wanting to know about your mother and your grandmother. Is any of this in your family, the herbalism or anything? Or are you the first one? No, my, I definitely, my grandmother, I um, grew up in upstate New York to good parents that stayed married, but it was when I go visit my French Canadian grandmother that um, she read tea leaves and she read cards, but she knew about healing plants. And all my cousins and I, we all like wore little medicine bags with garlic in it to protect us from the flu or colds. And she, I saw her like heal a little wounded bird and she made soap in a cauldron. And her idea of ice cream was to put maple syrup on snow. So I grew up with like, oh, I want to do that because it was like something out of the fairy tales. 
you know, and I, but somehow I thought, I know she loves Jesus, but I know that she's kind of a witch too, that she carries on a lineage of the wise woman tradition. And, you know, even as a child, because I had a, a Catholic mother and a Jewish father, so I grew up to respect, you know, two great religions and how my parents respected each other. That to me makes such an amazing opportunity for a child to have their own mind about spirituality. So they really encouraged me to do that. But one thing that um, both religions had in common was angels. So if you've ever come to my house, you see it's like a collection of angels and fairies. Even as a child, I went to catechism and Sabbath school because I so wanted to know God. That, um, But something I really question is, why did they kill all the witches because I loved all those little children's stories like The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes and The Little Witch. And, you know, I was even Wendy the Good Little Witch for Halloween, Casper's, you know, sidekick. Mm-hmm. So I always thought because the witches, like, they can use their knowledge of nature for healing and good and for goodness. And, you know, I do feel a connection ancestrally to the the wise woman tradition just because the healing the the leaves shall be for the healing of the nations and i've long been on a quest to you know help connect people through the grace of god and what is created to heal with plants and you know the bible says behold i've given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth So anyways, I'm glad that we can share that and reawaken that. But, you know, uh, again, um, this book, the Urantia book, has the whole life of Jesus in it. But I remember that hippie cult that you grew up in. I bet that's an interesting story. And I hope you write your memoirs. Oh, I'm still becoming. (laughs) Right. I'm still in the becoming. I am definitely a late bloomer. And... I'm okay with that. I'm happy with it. Uh, oh, all right. Well, watch the movie Hair. All right? All right. I will. The movie I Hair, will. the Milos Forman. Uh, yeah, uh, that's amazing. And yeah, and smoke some weed first. <laughs> I don't smoke anymore, but I did for years, and I'm not opposed to edibles. All right. All right. Well, then eat a, you know, eat a healthy thing, a, he- a healthy vegan gluten-free thing or something. <laughs> You know, one thing you were talking about, we did mention this, I remember in the last interview, when you mentioned your parents, one being Jewish, one being Catholic, I mentioned your friendship with Susan Weed, and you two have very different takes on a healthy diet. I won't say a correct diet, but like, what is the diet? And I love that you are friends. To me, a lot of the religious dogma that we have that has now become a political divide. Like we have political divides. We have religious divides. I see this in the food community too. I have talked in the past about the dogma of food, but people get so divided. And I feel like food is supposed to be something that we come together over. Susan Weed and I, you know, we had, there's, this is something we made a long time ago, but we actually had a, a seven part debate on a TV show about raw food versus cooked food. And then, um, and then there was like all these debates about the debate and people took sides. But Susan and I, we agree on so many things. And, and one that we agree on is eat the weeds and nettles. And you know what? Susan is a great friend and teacher for me. And she's full of wisdom. And we, we agree on so much. Do you have any experience with staying in touch with people that you formed relationships with in the 60s? Or is that entirely your experience? I'm still good friends with people that I lived with, with Rosemary Leary and my first husband who worked with Tim 
I'm still good friends with, you know, some of them have passed on. That's why I better get these memoirs out, but I am really working on it. Um, I am friends with some people from the Brotherhood of Eternal Love. And I feel like those were some really deep friendships, you know, because people risked a lot to be freedom fighters. So I think that there were a lot of similarities that, you know, all the movements that came out of the 60s were really working for a, a really a common goal. And one thing I like to say is that, you know, we can have spiritual unity without spiritual uniformity. Mm, that's a good way to put it. I know there's a lot of books I would call them old school, but maybe you would cringe at that. I was going to say old school witchcraft books that came out of that time too. And I think this idea of freedom was maybe the foundational thought behind all these different movements that came up, like spiritual freedom, freedom from oppression, for women, for black folks, for all kinds of people. And and then for hippies, I, I think it was an interesting answer to the 50s. The pendulum really swung. <laughs> you know, abs- absolutely. It's evolution. And, you know, we're here. We're at another crux in evolution. And what can we learn? And how can we move on and have a more harmonious planet? Because the world really needs it. I'm going to link to your website. There's so much. It's, it's a buffet. It's a buffet. But can you also just give us the URL so people that are driving their cars will have it in their head? Surely. It's BrigitteMars.com. B-R-I-G-I-T-T-E Mars, M-A-R-S.com. And I'm in Boulder, Colorado, and I have a YouTube station on lots of articles on health. And there's an article online called Get Off Your Grass and Create an Edible Lawn. And I've got 14 books. I have a phone app called iPhone with Brigitte Mars. You can... I plan. I'm sorry. I I plant with Brigitte Mars. Um, it works for iPhone and Android. I plant on your iPhone. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I always end by asking the same question. It can be whatever comes top of mind, but what is one tip you have for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams? Make resolutions for every chakra. Okay. We're ending the way we began. I like it. Can you flesh that out just a tiny bit more? Okay, so you know, red, we're gonna we're gonna have boundaries and be safe. Orange, we're gonna have good people around us and work on our feng shui. Yellow, we're gonna make a commitment to eating healthily. Green, we're gonna live green and learn to eat green and more local and get our finances in order. Blue, we're gonna create art. Of uh, indigo, we're gonna work on our intelligence, our psychic ability, and keep learning things. Put our consciousness to read good things, and then our crown chakra is gonna be connecting to divinity and being open to source, so that when we leave this planet, we can do it with grace and ease. Blessed be to you and all your listeners. Om Shanti. Om at four twenty or eleven eleven. It doesn't matter. Love and light. Thank you so much, Brigitte. Peace and love. Peace and love and we're out that's it that's brigitte mars follow the links to check out her books and the different events she has going on i hope you had fun i also just let me repeat i recorded this before i recorded the interview with lilith dorsey we were talking about voodoo in the episode i did with lilith but what i love about this is the interview with brigitte i was like who are the black hippies? And she's trying to tell me who the black hippies are. And then the very next interview I recorded, which I think was just a day later, 
Lilith starts our interview by saying, I'm just an old hippie, you know? And I was like, ah! <laughs> I was like, ask the universe a question and you'll get an answer. So these are out of order. I ended up putting Lilith first and so flip-flop, flip-flop, but you know, she answered my question. But again, if you know anybody who is a hippie in a modern way, I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to hear about anybody who is really living this lifestyle. I have a couple of people that come to mind. My friend Stephanie Matthews, who sold her home and bought a bus and lives with her family on a bus traveling the world. She is super hippie. I had her on the show a very long time ago. She has a business called Magical Mothering. And then when I think of December, December on Twitter, somebody who I hang out with on on Twitter, she's an awesome witch. And I think she is, she's a hippie. I think of like homesteading when I think of a modern hippie. But again, I'm passing this off onto you all. Let me know what you think. Take advantage, please, if you want to, of that discount code in my shop. It'll knock 70% off of any of the modules of the Psycho Spiritual Wheel of the Year program. If you're interested in joining the Dream Team, shoot me an email at joannadevoe at gmail.com and I will put you on the waiting list. Until we meet again, much love to you. Peace.